welcome back to another episode of Streaming. This episode of Streaming Heap is brought to you by NUE. Yes, the concept of NUE is our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you look so shocked. You're like, we got a sponsor? <laughs> Tell me. I was deeply confused. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're double digit in the uh, podcast now. I figure it's time for me to go full weird, you know? Yeah, why not? That's why I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you start dating, you know, you, you can't unleash your full weird until <laughs> a few dates in, you're like, here's all my issues. <laughs> it's like the first time you can fart in front of her, you know? <laughs> Just think of our episode as a fart in front of loved ones. <laughs> my name is Lynn and I'll be your host today. <laughs> I think I might want to stay anonymous now. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, my long-suffering co-host is Eric, the unapologetic geek. Go bother him on Twitter at E. McGill. <laughs> it's E underscore McGill. Okay. You're not likely to see me. <laughs> he love your Zack Snyder opinions. Go tell him. <laughs> All right, Eric. Last episode was a doozy. <laughs> that was quite an episode, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we kind of missed a week, but in return, we gave you two episodes worth of content. So let's hope this episode maintained manageable. We're going to be talking about some news, some stuff Kevin Feige said, and some stuff Francis Ford Coppola said. <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> a couple of trailers. You put the Adam Project in. I didn't want to talk about it, but sure. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit more about Doctor Strange. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching and streaming, like Murderville, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Uncharted, and the Poirot Geology, <laughs> Death of the Niles, and Murder on the Orient Express. And of course, this week's topic is the last three episodes of Peacemaker. What a triumphant route back to a ridiculous series about a bunch of lovable murderers. <laughs> for sure as always there will be timestamps in the description so you can jump around or just come on this ride of madness with us okay eric can you hear the news dump truck backing up oh god here we go again all right let's start with this news you brought oh uh feige in um i think it was part of the eternals behind the scenes thing is quoted as saying that Endgame will be the final Avengers movie, that there's no more Avengers movies after that. Um, I bring this up because I think people are making a bigger deal out of it than it right. is. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, this is a nothing new. Yeah, this is yeah. not really news at all um, yeah. because the Avengers as we know them are over. That's yeah. not a surprise. Yeah. And moving forward, a lot of the movies are going to be, you know, ensembles of various superheroes yeah there could be an avengers style movie going forward something like um you know young avengers or even yep. like new avengers you know yeah and that would be what it's called kevin yes. feige is just he's just parsing words saying this yes. is the last yeah avengers yeah movie. as he always does you know yeah. sometimes they have to lie to us and sometimes they have to obi-wan us from a certain point of view <laughs> right exactly yeah <laughs> there will be another movie with the word avenger in the name there will just be a preface or a suffix hey maybe it'll be west coast avengers who knows it's yeah you never know it'll be west coast avengers. <laughs> it's never going to be west coast avengers. and they didn't even put kate bishop on the west coast so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
yeah. So we're gonna like the next Avenger movie we'll get is the Young Avengers. They might call it the New Avengers or the Young Avengers. Yes, I know in the comic that's two different teams. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's the comics. <laughs> um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is such a non-use. And also, I just like, had to bring it up because everybody's making a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah. And also, it makes sense. Like the Avengers Endgame movie was, you know, a combination of like what ten years of it was ten years, yeah, of uh, a cinematic universe. It makes sense for that name to be retired for a little bit. So when it comes back, it does have some meat. You know, it's right. fresh. All right. Speaking of non-news about the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Some old crusty director doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, massive respect for Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Francis Ford Coppola's yeah. movies. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Apocalypse Now, The Godfather. I even like some of the lesser known movies, like that one where Robin Williams is a kid or something. Uh, Jack, I kind of like that movie. Um, <laughs> Wait, he did that? I didn't even know he, he did. did that. He did that. It's so weird. Um and but more behind the scenes, like the way he he started Zoetrope Pictures and yeah. basically started the whole new American wave and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do have respect for the guy. Oh, yeah, of course. He's a contemporary with George Lucas. This has happened over and over again. This is another one of uh, a journalist tricked another one of these old guard <laughs> artsy directors into saying something negative about blockbusters and Marvel movies. <laughs> and I put it in because I didn't put it like the last three or four times it happened. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, okay, come on, like stop doing this. And also I put this because if you actually read his quotes, they're pretty fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to read out a uh, direct quote that he said as part of the interview. He goes, even the talented people, you could take June made by Denis Villeneuve, an extremely talented, gifted artist, and you could take No Time to Die, directed by Kerry Fukunaga, extremely gifted, talented, beautiful artist, and you could take both of these movies, and you and I could go and pull same sequences out of both of them and put them together. The same sequence where all the cars crash into each other. <laughs> you I, know, all those cars in Dune. <laughs> I think what happened there is he did it watch June <laughs> or or he watched Mad Max and thought that it's called June <laughs> well yeah it does kind of look the same <laughs> maybe he watched the movies back to back and got confused about which one is called which and he's like man I love that movie June where all the cars are crashing to each other it's supposedly in the Australian outback and I also love that movie with the giant worm called Max. <laughs> I hope Timothy, Timothy Chalamet write Mad Max in the sequel. <laughs> Actually, I will pay good money to see Timothy Chalamet write Mad Max. <laughs> so with the internet. <laughs> like a piggyback. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I live there. I'm sorry. <laughs> From now on, I'm going to continue calling the, the worm Max just forever. Um, yeah, that was perplexing. Um, so I don't know. I, I think maybe he was getting his metaphors all mixed up and he was talking about smushing two, two movies together and it came out two cars crashing into each other, you know? Maybe. He <laughs> it doesn't the make same sense. sequence where all the cars crash into each mm. other. So he's literally talking about scenes. 
and I don't know, man. Like he's a pretty old man, so somebody keep an eye on him. <laughs> Ask him who the president is. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it was Fast and Furious Nine. Maybe that's what he saw. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if it come out that Francis Ford Coppola loved the Fast and Furious franchise? <laughs> oh, film Twitter would just kill each other. Uh, it's also another quote. Uh, there used to be studio films. Now they are Marvel pictures. And what is a Marvel picture? A Marvel picture is one prototype movie that is made over and over and over and over again to look different. And what is a studio picture? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. And also, they are still studio pictures. It's yeah. just that Marvel have a large chunk of the market share because they are a studio picture franchise that's successful <laughs> i just watch just, uncharted that's a studio picture this is just one of those things that it's so common old directors always say this they've been saying it since the beginning even like when sound first started there were some old directors like eisenstein who was saying that you know cinema is dead now because all they do is make these commercial movies with sound and who wants to see that and blah blah yeah. blah, blah it's just like that old plato quote about how young people are ruining the generation with their their proclivities you know it's just it's just <laughs> yeah. the cycle of life <laughs> yeah and you know people did it to westerns as well when oh yeah get his studio movies that western <laughs> yep <laughs> and hey like marvel movies and superhero movies will die one day when people stop watching them until then you're just telling people to stop liking what they like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I put this in because once and for all, I want to address this issue in a statement I prepared. I like to call everyone shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Journalists, stop doing this. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I know you want the clicks, but stop bullying all men who just want to make the films they make <laughs> and probably don't watch half the Marvel movies or any. <laughs> Stop trapping them into saying something incendiary about popular movies. <laughs> Just stop it. And directors, shut up. <laughs> okay? Stop falling into this trap. Get a better PR agent. <laughs> like, learn that this is a fucking trap. Like, they're sidelining you doing PR for your new project into people on the internet yelling at you because you don't like Iron Man. <laughs> stop falling for it. <laughs> And, like, Francis Coppola didn't really say anything that bad, but people in the past have said stupid shit that directors and artists and creators of that renown should know better, right? Right, yeah. Like, you are already in popular culture, most of you, okay? Like, even though your part of popular culture is for art. So stop looking down on the other sides and learn that at every stage of history... <laughs> People shit on the popular culture, which turns out to be what remains, okay? Like, people shit on Shakespeare because, <laughs> because he let groundlings in. Yeah, he had too many fart jokes, and he, he pioneered your mama jokes. Yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> like, he was really popular, but also, like, you know, other than uh, Cromwell, which is a separate issue in itself, the whole slew of aristocracy who didn't consider his plays no, they like consider real them art. base. Yeah. Right. Like, but now you remember Romeo and Juliet. Do you remember Tristan and Isolde? Which is where he stole Romeo and Juliet from. <laughs> I, 
people might remember somebody made a terrible movie called Tristan and Isolde, but they don't realize <laughs> Romeo and Juliet is Tristan and Isolde. You know, like people remember Dracula. Nobody remember Camilla. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is like popular culture laughs and stop being an old crotchety fool who just like, you should like my kind of art. What you like is not art. Just keep making what you're making. I'm sorry people are not watching it as much as billionaire in a robot suit blow shit up. Okay, it's not ideal, but you get what you get. Right. <laughs> and people on the internet, <laughs> people who are defending the Marvel movies or defending Blockbusters movie just because these people, <laughs> these directors said something, people who are like, oh, Francis Ford Coppola, like, what was he relevant? He's relevant now. He made Godfather. Stop saying shit like The Godfather is overrated, okay? And if you want to shut out him, you can mention Godfather Part 3. He did make that. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, people can have wrong opinions and be exceptional in their field still, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no need to go after them on social media for stupid shit. You don't need to defend multi-billion dollar movies, okay? Yes, but this is the internet. Everybody needs to have the same opinions and they yes. all need to be correct. Yes. And on the other side, people on the internet who are like using this as an opportunity to try and come down on movies people like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what you're doing is akin to standing outside of a party and yelling at the people inside how terrible the party is. Just go home. Don't come to the party. <laughs> I, I think I might have done that once. <laughs> well, how did you spend last week? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's the I don't own TV of the modern Twitter age. Okay? Like, okay, you don't like the Marvel movie. That's fine. It's not to everyone's taste. Like, they make a billion dollars. They don't make, what, seven billion times a, <laughs> a ticket price. We know it's not literally for everyone on the planet. It's fine, okay? like what you like don't like what you don't like and leave the rest of us alone right they're not ruining the industry like disney was never going to make a indie darling movie with the money they spending <laughs> for <laughs> shang chi <laughs> right <laughs> Doctor strange too okay like that money was never going to get redistributed to like day of the dog <laughs> year of the dog whatever it's called <laughs> that's not how it works so this is going to happen again, but everybody just shut up. <laughs> just relax. <laughs> just next time, we won't talk about it. <laughs> Maybe we should take bets as to which old director will be next. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Has Quentin Tarantino said anything really inflammatory about Marvel movies and stuff yet? Probably, but I don't pay attention to Quentin Tarantino, so yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> he liked to shoot his mouth off, so I would... I wouldn't be surprised if he has. (laughs) But it it would even be extra hypocritical for him because he's been on the receiving end of this for his movies being too violent for so long. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But if Quentin Tarantino is nothing if not a hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) Uh, Last we heard from him, he was having beef with uh, a man who's like 20 years dead. You know, he... (laughs) You see, like he was just talking shit about Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee's wife. Oh, that, right, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? But that's my bad. Tarantino is next. Who else is left? I'm going to say Fincher. I think Fincher's going to do it. 
Oh uh, yeah, you think? Yeah, I think so. Is it? Was it Fincher that would almost made a Daredevil movie? He came close. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he's interested in that kind of stuff, but he he could. You're right, though. He could also come out and be like, "Oh, I could make this a lot more interesting." I think. I think it's it's it's. I think he's due for it because his last couple of movies have really underperformed. Um, yeah. So he's getting frustrated, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, uh, another recent one was what's his name? Uh, the guy who made Moonfall. Oh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Of all people. <laughs> I didn't even list Roland Emmerich in this list because he doesn't belong on this list. He, he's just an <laughs> idiot. He didn't trick into anything. <laughs> if anything, he got tricked into his career. <laughs> Roland Emmerich, you can't make fun of. Because <laughs> he's like, all these movies are the same. I'm like, motherfucker, have you seen your movies? <laughs> Watch your own stuff. <laughs> I can't. Remember the difference between 2012 and the day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Cusack. That's about all I got. <laughs> which one? Which one? <laughs> John Cusack. Uh, the one that didn't have Dennis Quaid in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not even a bit I legit don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy those movies, but it's just definitely a case of a man in a glass house throwing stones, uh, butt naked. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't have the clout of like Ridley Scott or Martin Scorsese, other directors who've already done this. Yeah, yeah I love Roland Emmerich movies. What I want to watch a Roland Emmerich movie. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to be in the right <laughs> mindset. <laughs> I hope he got to make Moonfall too, because he tried to he tried to set up for a sequel there. You realize? I I haven't seen Moonfall, so I haven't I have seen no it idea. either. But I like somebody spoiled the plot for me because who cares? <laughs> yeah, I I know most of the plot. I don't know exactly how it ends, but I know most of the plot. <laughs> I want to see a movie where humans fly the moon to a different planet <laughs> and fight aliens. That's the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he could tie it into that third Independence movie he set up in the end of Independence Day. It's the exact <laughs> same setup, like. Yeah, it's, they left it with the exact same setup. Let's They're go like, kick yeah. some alien ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the year of our Lord 2022, let's make a movie that will probably be a metaphor about the American military complex and military <laughs> interventionism. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong with that. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we've had fun at the expense of, uh, I don't know, the internet, I guess. <laughs> Let's visit the trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow the internet is better than the trailer park. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you want to talk about this uh, trailer for the Adam Project? Yeah, I um, I wanted to bring it up because I think this movie is going to be terrible. I really do. But I want it to not be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds movies. Uh, okay, for those who don't know, this is like a weird time travel thing where a kid who has lost his dad and has a stepfather who's played by um, Hulk, uh, Mark Ruffalo. No, no, I think Mark Ruffalo is the dad dad. I don't think oh, he's I... the stepfather, yeah. Oh, you think he, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, the point is, you got this kid, he's lost his father, and then his future self comes back in time and they have to you know, fight robots or something. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like time travel movies and I've, it's been a while since we've had like an, a good 
kids sci-fi movie. Um, I can't even remember the last time we had a good one. <laughs> you don't count Super 8? Not really, no. <laughs> Super um, 8 was like a Spielberg That was a trick. Movie. You passed. That was a test. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this looks terrible. Uh, it looks like Ryan Reynolds just getting a paycheck and yeah. it's a Netflix movie. And yeah, it looks like it's going to be really tropey and trite. But I want it to be good. <laughs> That's why well, I wanted to bring it up. Well, they laid themselves a lot of traps here, right? Like at the center of the plot is that precocious kid. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that often goes wrong uh, more than uh, it's succeed, you know? The Kenny syndrome. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, It's I guess they just sidestepping grandfather paradox. So you know that time travel um, logic in there is going to be trash. <laughs> Yeah, the time travel logic in most movies is trash. But I will say in the trailer, I think they make it clear that we're dealing with separate timelines and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He's back to fix some stuff. But he says something like he's already changed everything by being there in the first place. So I don't think Uh we're dealing with any kind of paradoxes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's obviously some sort of uh, secret with Mark Ruffalo, supposed dead dead. Right, yeah. So I don't know. It, it also get me flashes of like Amazing Spider-Man Two, where they make a, they make an orphan super special because the dead parent is some sort of secret super agent or whatever. Oof, I don't know, man. This is a lot of red flag. Um, and he sure. has like a pseudo lightsaber in it. Oh right, I forgot about that. Yeah, the like lightsaber staff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's essentially like Darth Maul's lightsaber, except, uh, you know, <laughs> legally distinct <laughs> Darth Maul lightsaber, which, fine. Like, I'm completely fine with it. You know, like, lightsabers are a laser sword that's very basic in idea. Other films should be able to allow to use a similar concept. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> People are criticizing that the pseudo lightsaber more than the rest of the terrible stuff in this <laughs> and Jennifer Garner is the mother which just makes me realize it's been so long since I've seen Jennifer Garner in anything <laughs> we never did get that Electra sequel yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't her fault <laughs> no that wasn't her fault at all but still <laughs> yeah I don't know there's not much else to say about this um, it's out soon yeah it's by the time this comes out, it'll probably only be like a week or two out. Yeah, I might watch it one afternoon. <laughs> I just want a good kid's sci-fi movie that I can watch with my kid, you know? That's what I want. And I want it to have time travel because I love time travel. Just, nope. <laughs> um, That movie where a kid is King Arthur in the modern age, um, it's called right. The Kid Who Would Be King. <laughs> it sounds like a Simpsons joke. <laughs> um, apparently that one's pretty good. And it's from the director who made Attack the Block. Okay. Well, that's that's good pedigree. I like Attack the Block. Yeah. He made like four movies and they all like pretty good. He made Ant-Man, those two movies, and the Tintin movie. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's not bad for somebody who only made four movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Doctor Strange because... We didn't you know. talk about it nearly enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm editing but, it right now, and I assure you, we did. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's been more high-resolution images of some of the screenshots 
and I think a higher resolution version of the trailer and the TV spot have both come out. Um, yep. So we're able to see some things a little better. And so I feel like there's still stuff that we should talk about that we haven't talked about yet. Um, Take it away, Al. What? Let's <laughs> 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 <Just> keep talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, starting with that that weird ribbon-like monster that's holding America, Chavez, and fighting yep. Defender Strange. Um, the easy, like, who is that? The easy answer is it's probably the Demiurge, which is from America's backstory yeah. or original backstory. Yeah. Um, and that would make sense. That would be fine. Except that they look really evil and that Demiurge is supposed to be like the spirit of Earth. I don't That's know. true. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> it definitely looks angry crazy. and mad and, yeah, and <laughs> is fighting Doctor Strange. So, yeah, probably not the Demiurge. <laughs> <laughs> but um i've also seen people say that it looks like lord chaos which is one of the celestial beings of the marvel universe um i think this is interesting i don't think that's who it is but i think this is an interesting idea because i feel like from what we're seeing of this movie it looks like they're dealing a lot with the dichotomy between chaos and order and how far you can push chaos before chaos pushes back and stuff like that so if chaos were in any marvel movie to date this would be a good one to put him in. Yeah. But I still don't think it is Lord yeah. Chaos. <laughs> I don't know who that thing is, but my money on the uh, hidden villain is still Nightmare. Yeah, me too. I still think, I mean, they said the word Nightmare in the trailer. <laughs> and <laughs> we're dealing with nightmare realities. And yeah. Doctor Strange is having nightmares. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> what more do they have to tell you? Yeah. Um, we're dealing with the nightmare reality. And then in May, we get to watch Doctor Strange too. Right. <laughs> uh, the easy joke. Good delivery. <laughs> the other possibility I came across that I thought was really interesting and, and really unique uh, is the idea that he's Mr. Misery, which is a slightly more obscure Doctor Strange villain. But like Doctor Strange had done all these things that had created all these knock-on side effects um, and had like corrupted himself with evil. And so he like used magic to pull all these evil things out of himself and deal and all these different weird side effects of the universe that he'd created. And uh, he put them all into one entity and basically locked it in the basement. And that entity was called Mr. Misery. The and Superman it, 2 solution. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, but Mr. Misery, he kind of looks like that a little bit, but he also kind of looks like Doctor Strange at the end of the trailer when he's all got all the darkness coming out of him and all the dark monsters and the arms coming out of his back and stuff it looks a little bit like that too so i just thought that was an interesting call um i don't think that's who it is i have no idea who it is um but i just wanted to bring that one up because i thought it was cool yeah i have a feeling that bandage thing is not going to be a major <laughs> yeah it's probably up. just going to be a monster it may not even get a name you know yeah <laughs> if yeah. it gets a name it'll just be in a toy yeah Oh, and uh, there's also another thing about, you know, the big squid thing that the first time we saw it, we thought it was going to be Shubakora. And then later we learned that it's Gigantos. And we're right, like, there's oh, a legal reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we were wondering, why would you do that? Uh, apparently, there might be a legal reason because Conan the Barbarian has Shubakora. Right. Uh, so the rights to the name Shumagorath belong to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Should it? I thought Shumagorath was a Lovecraftian. Uh, yeah, I thought it was older than than yeah. Conan, but apparently, I don't know. This could just be 
people on the internet coming to that assumption and it not being true at all. It could still be Shumagorath, even though the toy says well, I can't, Gigantor or whatever. I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about what's in the cages in those trailers? Yeah, I think in the I think in last week's episode, um, I mentioned that I thought maybe the two kids, uh, Wiccan and Speed, were going to be in the cages. But now I'm starting to think that that's not why Wanda's attacking uh, the not Illuminati headquarters, um, because you see America Chavez yeah. in one of them, yep. um, and the other one appears to be empty. But this is a Marvel trailer. There's probably something in there that they've CG'd out. Um, but I think that she's going there specifically to get America, Chavez. yeah, yeah. for um, her ability, yeah, for her ability to travel through different dimensions, so that she can travel through the dimensions to find her kids that's still her end game but um i don't think that they're there anymore i think it's more likely she's just there for chavez and there might be somebody else in the other the other cage yeah well there's this fake leak that is deadpool did you see that (laughs) i'm 99 sure it's fake (laughs) yeah i don't think they put him there like if he shows up which is a decent possibility he'll just show up in like the background of a scene or they'll just like pass through a deadpool reality something like that he'll just get a very brief cameo to you know show that he's there and then he'll get his own movie yeah although uh one thing i do agree is though deadpool 2 did end with him doing a bunch of time trouble shenanigans so something like uh the illuminati or we decided they might be called the defenders uh grabbing him does make sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It totally makes sense. But I think it's more likely to be like Loki or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And I think uh, the plot structure is also going to be uh, Doctor Strange wants to and needs to solve this mystery and fix this multiverse thing. And maybe even like shut the barriers between all the multiverses. And they need to use America Chavez to do it. But Wanda is wanting to is use messing everything to, up yeah yeah right. wonder like wonder isn't really like the big villain like she just don't care she just wanted to use chavez to go find her kids that's my theory right. and i think she's out, a secondary villain yeah right right and in, 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 in the end she'll realize she's being manipulated by whoever is doing this shit in the, behind the scene and then right they will team up you know like obviously you know they, they mad at each other for a little bit and then they'll team up like that's the right. hollywood they punch a bit and then they're friends yeah yes. yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, i mean look fast and furious have done that for like six times and <laughs> <laughs> they have a night movie franchise so <laughs> why not <laughs> And the last thing I wanted to bring up is just because this is what everybody's talking about is that mystery figure who looks like the superior Iron Man or it's, Captain Marvel. It's not a mystery figure. It's Maria Lambo. That's, <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking with it. I am. I'm, I'm on the fence. I do think Maria Rambo as Captain Marvel is a distinct possibility, if yeah. not more than 50% probable. Um, but I also, with the high res images and looking at it, does really look like Kang. i mean kang with a really uh thick physique we'll say but still it looks like kang it looks like there's a goatee there (laughs) it looked like the actress who played maria rambo (laughs) look at it look at it with kang like side by side they do look a lot alike uh okay but i think we're venturing into territory of white people can't tell black people (laughs) (laughs) 
Look at the nose, okay? Jonathan Majors has a very distinctive nose. Look so at the nose. So does that lady who played Maria Rambeau. Yeah, but it's Rambeau. not the same distinctive <laughs> nose. <laughs> Why would Khan have that much stock in his badonga dog? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like he's wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid, sexy Kang. Yes, I know. <laughs> I think it's perfectly plausible that Kang would be on this multiverse Illuminati or whatever it's going to be called. Anyway, uh, that's it. That's all I wanted to bring up. But it's one thing we can definitely agree on is it is not Tom Cruise. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, people are clutching at straws now. They say like, oh, it's actually two different figures in the TV spot and the trailer. And one of them that is a clearly uh, a person of color is uh, <laughs> Maria Rambo or Kang. And the other one, which is a bit more blurry, could be Tom Cruise. This is not Transformers. They're not going to use uh, two flying characters that are very similar visually when they fight. Okay, They're not right. going to do that. It's That's just not one happen. person. It's yeah. just one person. <laughs> Tom Cruise could still be in it. Like, it's just not this figure. Okay? Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else about Doctor Strange before we talk about a shiller of things we've been watching? Yeah, let's just move on because uh, we don't want to be here all day. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start with what you've been watching, Murderville. Yeah, I watched Murderville. Uh, and um, that's the show where Will Arnett is plays like a cop and he's got these celebrity guests who come on, don't know what's going on, and they have to improv their way through a crime. Crime, crime investigation, not, not through a crime. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, a crime investigation. <laughs> and in the end, they have to figure out like who, who the murderer was. Um, and they have to, you know, tell them, tell that to the police chief and the police chief will tell the celebrity guests if they're right or wrong. It is a fun show, but some episodes are definitely funnier than others. The first episode with Conan was kind of not that funny. And I, I really questioned whether or not I was going to keep watching it. But then the second and third episodes with uh, Camille Maggiani and um, Marshawn Lynch. Right, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch just stole it. He is so I good. know, right? I was like, <laughs> like, I did not expect that. <laughs> Why is Marshawn Lynch so good at this? There was a scene where like, he brought his own material and even threw off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly, like, it's something he prepared previously but still like it really it caught Will on the off guard yeah. <laughs> um, oh and I want to apologize in a previous episode when I was talking about this show I said Marshawn Lynch was a white receiver I was wrong he's in fact a running back <laughs> <laughs> for the Seahawks the Bills and the Raiders I believe but uh, so I sincerely apologize for fans of those three teams in my defense if he wanted me to remember what position he played, he should have played for better teams. <laughs> it's okay. All football players look alike to you. I know. <laughs> I didn't mistake with another person. I, just, <laughs> I forgot what position he played. <laughs> but uh, I've only seen the Marshall Lynch episode and the first episode with um, Coco. <laughs> but you should definitely keep going because, like I said, the uh, Camille Maggiani, which is the third one, He's really good, too. And um, the last three aren't as good as the first three. I mean, I think the very last one with uh, Sharon Stone is pretty good. But, you know, as long as you see the Marshawn Lynch one, that's the one you have to see. Other, the other ones are disposable. Yeah, this is this is one of those shows that uh, I hate to say it. It's probably more enjoyable when you watch like highlight clips on YouTube, like 
uh, two months down the track. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but they did put a little fun element where, like, there is a canonical murderer that you can solve, uh, the guest can solve. And the viewer, if you're paying attention, like, all the clues are there. Uh, yeah, after like, like an episode or two, you get the feel for like what they're looking for and yeah. what the clues are going to be, like what style the clues are. And yeah, you can guess. And I was pretty much right every time. I think I got it wrong once, but yeah, but then that's fun. That's it's a fun. fun it's original. Angle. It's only like a 25 minute something episode. I think. Yeah, it's short. Yeah. And if it were any longer, it would be too long. <laughs> yeah, I'm still on the Conan O'Brien is overrated train after watching this episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, his episode was just boring. Was yeah. like there was nothing to it. Yeah. Um, and like you, yeah, the Marshallage episode, I was like, what is happening? Like, why is he so good at this? I was not expecting his episode to be the funniest one, but it yeah. is. I was looking forward to that episode being a train wreck and therefore funny. Like, no, right. it was just good. <laughs> okay, so let me quickly talk about uh, what I watched last night, which is we went to the cinema to watch Uncharted. Right. Um, speaking of studio movies, <laughs> this is definitely one. And you know, I liked it. It's, okay. it's fine. Like it's, I think it's getting. I haven't been paying that much attention, but I think it's getting ripped, ripped apart by critics. But uh, most fans are liking it, except people who are maybe like super fans of Uncharted or something. Right. Um, I don't know what else you would expect going into an Uncharted movie like this is exactly what it should be you know it's not like uncharted is this deep uh philosophical thing that is original it's it's an indiana jones knockoff i mean the video games are <laughs> i like them i've played them all but that's all it is it's, there's nothing yeah. to it it's disposable entertainment <laughs> well i think what people were expecting is the tone and feel of uncharted 3 like which right. took it seriously and it has emotional payoff and it's really like a deconstruction of the adventure genre and the kind of a uh, person who need to be in arrested development to be an adventurer right like, right it really deconstructed nathan drake and the archetype he is right like how <laughs> the idea is pretty much like Oh, somebody like Indiana Jones would not be able to hold down a job. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he was just a professor. Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> or a healthy uh, family life, unless you have people who understand you and support you, and there'll always be a struggle. And yeah, that game is like that. But that game could deconstruct Nathan Drake because they have constructed Nathan Drake for two. Exactly. You have to have a games. character to deconstruct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't that. And I worry that if they make a sequel, they would rush into the deconstruction, which I don't think they should. It could that should be like the either the third or like maybe complete a fun trilogy and then like five or ten years later do that story. Uh, but Fair enough. If, if you like Nathan Drake and what he does in Uncharted One and Two, you can't be disappointed by this. This is just a fun rub of a guy who loved the idea of adventuring, the idea of exploring and following clues and solving riddles and finding treasure, you know? And it's fun. And I guess if people are against Tom Holland being Nathan Drake, this movie isn't going to convince them because Tom Holland isn't playing the, the video game Nathan Drake. Not really. Yeah, because the video game Nathan Drake is just Nathan Fillion. But Nathan Fillion's <laughs> too old now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, there, is a, there is a cameo by Nolan North. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, I can see myself liking this movie. It's as disposable entertainment. I mean, I like the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider. I imagine it's on the same level as that. I think it's better than Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> but then again, I don't like that reboot of Tomb Raider because like, I'd like Tomb Raider to be like this, like more disposable, actually, and fun. And that reboot of Tomb Raider does do a little bit of navel-gazing, you know? I'm like, no, just I... go into a tomb. Just... <laughs> Do tomb stuff. Sorry, <laughs> I I really love the reboot, but whatever. <laughs> They're going Your to want are fine. to. They're going to want to. Okay. <laughs> they are getting a sequel. The uh, Tomb Raider, the Alicia Vikander. They are filming a sequel right now. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that because she does get her iconic pistols at the end of that movie in a post credit scene, which felt really out of place. Yeah, it's like she's like a completely different character. <laughs> Also, that post-credit scene was in the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. The post-credit scene for this movie is also in the trailer. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a pattern. I keep doing that. <laughs> Don't do that. I <laughs> um, like little things like, right, uh, you see in this trailer the set piece where the two helicopters are lifting up like ancient boats. <laughs> and when you look at that set piece and you let your imagination run wild and you're like, okay, they should do some dumb shit with it. Everything you come up with, they do. Like, right. I like it. When, that's all I want from like a studio action movie. I want them to not waste a set piece. If you, they do a set piece, if they do something fun or visually interesting, I want them to go crazy and carry it out to the extreme. And they do exactly that. I'm not going to well, tell good. you what it is. Go watch it like that. Uh, when that happened in the trailer you're like ah oh, they gave away that final set right <laughs> yes right. but there's a lot more fun stuff they do on it and with it cool okay <laughs> yeah i probably will see it if i get to the theater at any point because it does seem like a fun movie i don't yeah. see any problem with it even maki mark i want to hate maki mark because how mark Wahlberg is as a person <laughs> but um <laughs> he's, he's just a fun dude in the he, he's so good at playing a fun dude you know like right. don't put him in a serious role, but this kind of role he's he's born to play. He's just being Marky Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that girl who played one of the weird sisters, the leader of the weird sisters in that Sabrina show, is in it at Bredon. Okay. Um, and she's really good. I she's such a good villain for such a little tiny woman. She <laughs> she has such villainous energy, and I really hope to see her, a lot more of her in that kind of villain role. I'm sorry for wanting her to be typecast, but she's just good. <laughs> and there was a scene where her and Maki Mark is just beating the shit out of each other. And it's really <laughs> good. And I was worried for Maki Mark. And then after the scene, I'm like, wait, that's just an extended scene of Maki Mark beating up a little lady. But like, she has <laughs> such a good presence that I was worried for Maki Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine rooting for Marky Mark in that situation, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good she is. <laughs> a lot of betrayals. I don't know. If the plot is predictable, whatever. You go, you go there for yeah. yeah, yeah. You go there for adventure. It's worth it, in my opinion. Speaking of movies, uh, you also watch. What? Yeah, um, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not to be confused with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> also, not to be confused with Texas Chainsaw. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, this is also it's disposable entertainment. This is not 
a great what's film. Texas Chainsaw like without the massacre? Is it just an ad for a chainsaw? Uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw might be the worst in the whole franchise. It's really, really bad. Why would um, you drop the word massacre? That's the thing people come and watch the movies for. On that subject, this version, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, has an actual bona fide massacre with a chainsaw. None of the other movies actually have that. Like, like Leatherface will kill maybe two or three people with a chainsaw. In this movie, he massacres a whole busload of people, and it's glorious. It's oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they give it away in the trailer, which I wish Yeah, they, they do give it. it away in the trailers, which is annoying, but it's it's still worth it. The, the trailers don't show you how far he goes with it. It's really good. Um, this movie's gory. This movie is shamelessly a slasher flick full of just that kills everybody. And I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It also it turned the Texas Chainsaw Massacre into this like thing about survivor's guilt because like the main character was a survivor of a school shooting. Um, and it leans into that really well. It also kind of plays with the uh, Halloween reboot where okay. like you had Jamie Lee Curtis coming back in Halloween. Yeah. Um, in this version, they get Sally Hardesty, the character back. It's a different actress, but it's the same character from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they use her in a kind of brilliant way that I don't want to spoil, but it's not the same as what they did in Halloween. Okay. And I really appreciate that. Um, but no, I mean, this was better than it had any right to be. And just in case you're worried about my bona fides, I've seen all of the Texas Chainsaw movies, all of them, uh, even the really terrible ones. <laughs> um, and the original one is the only one with any kind of artistic merit. The rest are just slasher movies, which, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I like the reboot, the 2003, I think it was. I thought that was actually really good. Um, and all the rest of them are just Texas Chainsaw movies, whatever. And this one, I think, is is up there. It's It's probably one of the better ones. Okay. My interest in like slashes and horrors has always been more about their tropes and how it evolved. Uh, because yeah. it's like one of my favorite horror movies is uh, Cabin in the Woods because you know that movie is about the tropes. Oh, of, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. all about the tropes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the current evolution of what they're doing with the final girl trope really is, interests me. Uh, you know, like you said, they are bringing back the survivor from the first movie. And that's yeah. them playing with the uh, the final girl trope, and same thing with Halloween, because like some of the classic tropes of horror come from like sometimes sexism, xenophobia, and, oh for you know, sure, yeah, yeah. and uh, paradoxically like conservative social values, even though it really is a genre that conservatives also hate. Like yeah, that, weird. That, yeah. <laughs> That yeah. always like intrigued me, and I, I like the evolution of these tropes as now you know liberal Hollywood is taking <laughs> a different direction uh, with the final girl trope and everything. Of course, one could argue Buffy already really subverted the final girl trope with the character of Buffy, but no, I mean you can continue to evolve the yeah. subversion of tropes. I mean. Yeah. These tropes were being skewered back in the 90s with Scream. You know, I mean, these are not, it's not a new idea to skewer right. these tropes. Right. <laughs> and to be fair, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just in case you were wondering, is really about eating meat. That's all it is. It's just like this, it's like a rallying cry for vegetarianism. <laughs> and the director <laughs> even said that. <laughs> so. So there's okay. that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't planning on eating long walk, but other than that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the other movie I watched, 
which uh, about two weeks ago, I went and watched Death of the Niles. And uh, afterwards, I was intrigued, and I've never seen Battle of the Orient Express. So oh. a couple of nights ago, I watched Battle of the Orient Express. So, like to be clear, you have you seen any version of Murder on the Orient Express or just that? Uh, one? I don't remember. I must have as a kid, or okay. like I don't remember reading it either. But I remember the twist. Okay, I good. don't know where I know the twist from. <laughs> so I'm like, it's just pop culture knowledge seeped into your brain. Right, right. I went through the movie. I'm like, wait, no, this is this. Like, this is the story where this is this. And I'm like, I don't know where I remember from. <laughs> 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 Which makes sense. If I have to remember things and also remember where I know them from, I would only be able to remember half as much as things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's do it in reverse order because that's how I watched it. I watched Death of the Niles and literally, <laughs> like, there's like, a <laughs> okay, the movie begins with a backstory for Poirot's mustache. I am not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> they don't think it's funny. It's a super serious scene that ends <laughs> on a super serious note. But halfway through the scene, I'm like, is this a, is this a backstory for his mustache? And it ends with like, why don't you grow a mustache on a super serious note? Like, you have to watch it to understand. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and then flash to do the present day of the story. And there's a scene in the club. And me and my partner just looked at each other in the middle of the scene. Going like, what, the, what is happening? What, what? There's an extended dance sequence that is just way over the top that you it would fit right into like a Barcelonian production. <laughs> and we're just looking at each other like, God. I don't know about this movie. But when you realize that it is a deliberately overindulgent movie about overindulgent people, you start to find the groove and the movie is super overindulgent. Like, <laughs> Wait, a Kenneth Branagh movie is overindulgent? Right. I'm exactly, so surprised. Right? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, even by his standard, man, this is just... I didn't realize that critics were tearing it apart before I went and watched it. I really bought into it by the end. And okay. I think it's fine. <laughs> Gal Gadot <laughs> still cannot act. <laughs> and really, like, the mystery solving is backloaded because the murder doesn't really happen for like over and down. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true of the story too. Yeah. Okay, so but so by the end I bought into it. I liked it enough and I had fun with it. I had fun with the Poirot character. And I had fun with Book and a lot of the other assorted characters. Um, eh, whatever, right? Like, and also I found bits of it really funny, but I'm not sure they're supposed to be funny. Like one of the character is like an old aunt who gave away all her fortune, and she's like, <laughs> like a socialist. Uh, <laughs> like keep talking about like, <laughs> like at some point she said about Gal Gadot's character, who is like her like goddaughter or god niece or whatever. I can't remember. Um, and she's like, oh, I love her, but when the revolution comes, she'll be first against the war. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I'm like, wait, that's supposed to be funny or not? That's not. That's great. I like it. Um, yeah, like there are a couple of moments like that where it's like, I don't know if the movie is being serious and 
failing. Oh, this movie is like darkly humorous, but it ends. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's an overindulgent movie. So when I decided to watch the Mother of the Orient Express, me and my partner both completely agree it's better on every level. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've seen Mother of the Orient Express, you if you're gonna go watch Death of the Nile, prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> Well, I feel the same way about the two books because like Murder on the Orient Express is, is one of Agatha Christie's greatest, if not her greatest book. Death on the Nile's kind of dumb and really predictable. <laughs> yeah, I would say the mystery on the Murder on the Orient Express is doesn't really withstand <laughs> in well, depth yeah, if analysis. You, like, really look yeah. into it, it doesn't yeah, work. Like, but it's a as silly a thought experiment mystery. for yeah. murder mystery, you know. Right. <laughs> But the murder mystery on Death of the Niles make more sense. It requires less suspension of disbelief. Right. Uh, but the murder of the Orient Express is just a much better told story. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and also the actors in it are so much better. Even the terrible Johnny Depp is great in it. I mean, look, Johnny Depp is a great actor like this. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, fallen into some patterns, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, look. <laughs> You take Jack Sparrow out of the equation, he's, he's, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> and it really highlights the fact that Daisy Ridley is a much better actress than Gil <laughs> Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Daisy Ridley really carries Run on the Orient Express. Um, whereas Death of the Nile, some of the stuff that the movie clearly wants you to have emotional reaction to, you're like, eh. I don't really much care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just looking at the cast list of the two movies, you can see a big difference. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, the Murder on the Orient Express didn't have a cannibal on the cast list, but that's either a plus or a minus, depends on how you see it. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what I'm recommending. If you haven't seen either, maybe go watch Death on the Niles first. So... You can only go up. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter. There's one like recurring character in the two movies. Like, it doesn't really matter which order you watch it. But uh, yeah, Murder on the Orient Express is so much better. It's yeah, I haven't seen Death on the Nile yet, but I have seen Murder on the Orient Express, and it's a really good movie. I love it. So you should you should watch uh, Death on the Nile. It really is funny uh, i really want you to watch that cold open about poirot's mustache origins uh, they should have just made that the whole movie man they should have they really should have and you know what the way it ends in a lot of way it kind of is <laughs> after you watch the movie you'll understand what i mean I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I mean, in the book, they don't give an origin story for his mustache, does it? I don't not remember. That I that. Re not that I remember, no. <laughs> I imagine it is something in canon about Poirot and why he grows that mustache. They do talk about it in the books a lot, but like, yeah. I don't think there's any one story that's tied to it in any way. <laughs> Who knows? There's like 70 Poirot stories. Yeah, there's way too many to be an expert on it. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think that's all from us for the first half of this episode. <laughs> Go watch Poirot uh, <laughs> Mustache Begins. <laughs> and after this little break, 
where we will find some way to stop laughing about this mustache. We'll come back with the last three episodes of Peacemaker. All right. Woo-hoo. And we're back. So prepare to eat peace, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm still trying to adjust to what level of crudeness and swearing is appropriate in these podcasts. <laughs> so if you're a listener and you're like, this is too much, I'll be like, swear more, fuckers. I don't know, right in. <laughs> Last episode, especially, I was a little bit worried that I was too crude because at some point you said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember saying that. I don't even remember what you said. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, send an email to thestreamingheap at outlook.com to tell us we're going to hell for excessive swearing or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is it Outlook or is it Gmail? It's Outlook. I keep saying okay. Gmail. It's it's not Gmail. It's Outlook. <laughs> it's never Gmail. All right, let's talk about Peacemaker. When we last left it, um, it was the end of episode five, and right. Adebayo just discovered that Mern is a butterfly, and you know it ended on a cliffhanger as if Mern was about to kill Adebayo, which we didn't buy at all. <laughs> no, we, we, were we like, knew instantly that that was yeah, not gonna yeah, happen yeah it's a fake <laughs> out he's a good guy of course and i also posited that theory that uh harcourt is also a butterfly and you're like <laughs> that's probably not true so when episode six begins with uh it confirming our theory that yes uh man <laughs> is a good guy <laughs> And then Harcourt walks in. I was so excited. I was like, I'm right. Harcourt is also a butterfly. <laughs> but but no, no, she just knew. <laughs> she just knew. So yeah, let's just go through it in the episode order. So episode six is mostly about like that discovery of the backstory about the butterflies and all that. Uh, what did you think? No, I mean, I like the dynamic between Mern and you know him explaining the butterflies yeah. a little bit. He doesn't ex- he doesn't go all the way, but he explains yeah. enough to keep us going. Yeah. Um, and I like when he talks about how he didn't want to take over anybody, but he took over the worst person he could find. Yeah. And even then he felt guilty about it because he said even Mern could have changed. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool and yeah. definitely a setup for the big theme of the, the whole show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wasn't too fond of the idea that they would keep Peacemaker in the dark. I kind of get it, but at the same time, I kind of don't. Well, he's um, a complete moron. Like, he is a like moron. Him. But yeah. he's a complete moron and a wild card. But at the same time, a wild card, maybe you want to give them information in a controlled way rather than risk him finding out and reacting exactly. wildly like he does. <laughs> he was already pissed off and he was already like they were already losing him. And then they just choose to not let him in on what's happening. Right. I feel yeah. like that was a big tactical mistake. Yeah. I'm also surprised how Adebayo didn't immediately reveal her secret to them. Oh, yeah. I was actually surprised that they were surprised yeah. by that point. Yeah, because yeah. I, f- I felt like like Mern, they all would have known at that point. Yeah. They all would have figured it out. Yeah. That, we're talking about the fact that Adebayo is Waller's daughter. Uh, so the thing about change, though, what Mern is talking about change, that is the entire thesis of this show, right? That uh, choice and ability to change, the choice to change is good no matter how bad a person is, right? Like, like the taking away of a chance to change, taking away of that choice a person has to be better is bad. So, like, the whole, really, like, the whole show is about anti-fascism, you know? 
Yeah, in a sense. Um, yeah. I, and I think it's also a more personal story about James Gunn himself yeah. um, having to redeem himself for you know some of the shit he said on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but just like in general, being a worse person when he was younger and knowing that and yeah. trying to grow as a person like we all do. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's that's something that weighs on Gunn a lot, even though yeah. it was really just crazy right wing trolls that made him get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Jokes of that, they really amplified his career. <laughs> yeah, they actually helped him out. They gave... <laughs> yeah, sure. He got fired from Marvel for a minute, but that yeah. allowed him to, you know, be free with DC for a couple of yeah. you know, years. And he still got to finish his trilogy and more back at Marvel. <laughs> yeah, so if anything, it's helped his career. Yep. <laughs> uh, the only thing it did is delay Guardian of the Galaxy a few years. <laughs> So that scene of the butterfly taking over the Decker song is just heartbreaking, right? Like, it's so sudden. I didn't see it coming. Like, yeah, not just Detective Song, but all of the cops and even some of the convicts, too. It's just crazy. Oh, that part I, is not heartbreaking. I liked it because it set to a cool music. No, that's true. <laughs> but no, the fact that they, they took over song, like, uh, behind the trailer right out in the forest that was heartbreaking yeah because yeah. and it's really like visceral like she's yep. got like big thick spurts of blood coming out of her mouth and she's yeah. seizing horribly it's like really intense and yeah you really like song she's one of the really good characters um yeah, so yeah. yeah it was kind of shocking yeah and when she says to her partner like i'm sorry um this is really like the best way it could have gone <laughs> i'm sorry you had to be that way um, knowing what we know after, especially, you're like, ah, like, because at the time you're like, eh, this is just taunting. But knowing by the end of the show, you know, she was probably being genuine. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like, oh, but that scene where all the butterflies are taking over all the cops and criminals. Sorry, I repeat myself again. Uh, <laughs> there you go again, Lynn. <laughs> Don't come to America. They'll shoot you. <laughs> they might shoot me here. <laughs> anyway, what I say, yeah, that scene is set to Monster the, of the right. um, of all the cops and the convicts being taken over and all the uh, white supremacists, like the intercut between the cops and the white supremacists. Again, I repeat myself. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that, that's so good. That's, that's James, James Gunn at his finest. Like, oh, for sure. Making us like a song that we've never heard of. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I did look up the song immediately after. Yeah, yeah it's, it's in my Spotify list now. <laughs> yeah. But from a story point of view, like it makes sense to take the cops completely out of the equation. Yeah. Um, and to make them like basically a new avatar for the villains. Yeah. Um, because unlike what we thought, the final villain is not actually the dad. That's like the secondary villain in the next yeah, episode. I actually didn't like that. We'll get to it. We'll talk about it when yeah. we get to it. And then after that, you've got, what is it? It's Peacemaker sitting at the piano playing a really sad ballad version of Motley Crue. Yeah. Which I thought was funny and also touching in a weird way. Yeah. And he filmed it in such a way that you can tell that John Cena is actually the one playing the piano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's got skills. Yeah, exactly. Better watch out, Rock. Uh, John is <laughs> coming for your throne in like, I give him like two, three years. <laughs> <laughs> Between that and Dave Batista, who I love The Rock, but both John Cena and Dave Batista is proving to be much better actors than The Rock is. 
Yeah, they can actually act. So the Rock <laughs> can't really act. I love The Rock, but I would not call him a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane how good Dave Bautista has gotten, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're getting sidetracked. But yeah, um, this episode is mostly just set up and sad bits. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that All the butterfly, the giant butterfly sword is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, once again, uh, James Gunn tapping into his body horror roots. You know? Yep. Um, they did a really good job making that goofy ass white dragon costume really horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Especially when it's, you know, when you've got all the rest of the rednecks behind him with the white hoods on their heads, you know? Yeah. It makes it even scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a reason why they didn't go with the. Uh, the pointy hoods oh the actual like yeah kkk hoods yeah um i thought about that i think maybe they're just trying to be a little bit nice like they're trying to i don't know i don't know can they get sued by the kkk yeah that's what i was <laughs> thinking because the kkk is like uh it's an organization organization which is the fucked up i wouldn't call them it. proper but yeah well like, it's a legally recognized organization right and well, they yeah. do have lawyers and of course that's like true uh, movies talk about them in historical ways all the time, but maybe they'll see them if it is a modern fictional context. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know either. There might be a, there might be a legal reason that I, I'm not familiar with. It could simply just be they wanted the head coverings to look like look the devil's horns. Yeah, well, and like white dragons uh, mask as well. Like right, right, yeah. Um, okay, so next episode. Yeah, that leads right into it because the next episode is mostly about. Uh, the fight with um, what uh, what Augie, whatever his his super villain name is, White um, Dragon. White Dragon. You said you had problems with this, so go ahead. You rant. Oh, I didn't have a problem with this episode as such. I just think they should have made Augie the final boss because uh, we like Detective Song, but we like Detective Song as Detective Song. We've never seen her in the villain capacity until episode six, and really golf the butterfly who was in golf that butterfly we really haven't properly interacted with him or her either except that one torture scene right so emotionally augie has more of a weight as a big obstacle than the butterflies really the butterflies are the dressing around which we are seeing that this team come together and um, peacemaker's character grow so i feel like this should have been mostly the chase, and I feel like they should have combined the fight at the end. Like I feel, feel like the final showdown should have been the butterfly, the white dragon, and the peacemaker's team. Maybe, but I think Peacemaker had to deal with his father first before he was able to take the lesson that he yeah. needed to, to learn in order to do what he does in the end. Yeah, but can you imagine if at the end, in the final scene where he had to make that choice, right? If it was Augie on one side and Detective Song slash Golf on the other, telling him to do one thing or the other, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, there is a way that that could work. And, and, and he, he would have he, to like chart his own path. Yeah, Right. And he killed, in order, Augie, the cow, and then Detective Song, but not golf butterfly inside which is right, a conscious choice yeah right he doesn't kill golf at the the butterfly yeah. i feel like that could still have an impact like you're right it wouldn't be the same it, would, it wouldn't be him applying the lesson but it could still be like him deciding that he's gonna like 
because those two are like diametrically opposed choices, right? So for sure, you're not wrong. I mean, it could be written that way and it could work, but I feel like what we get is fine. Like, yeah, I just feel me. like the emotional third act, the emotional finale of the movie is in episode seven, and episode eight is the action finale, especially since none of the 11 sweet kids actually die. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, also, I think James Gunn really wanted to include uh, Peacemaker hallucinating his dad because it's yeah. from the comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the comics, by the way, uh, Peacemaker's dad is like a Nazi, like an actual Nazi. Like a real Nazi, a full-blown <laughs> Nazi. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so is Augie, the white rag, to be sure. But, uh, you know, the comic He's more is of a neo-Nazi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same swastika, brand new paint. <laughs> <laughs> just as awful. <laughs> Uh, if anything, just underachieving at being awful. <laughs> As we've discussed before, I watch it with subtitles. So do you. Yep. And did you notice that whenever any yeah. of the uh, <laughs> any of the, the white hooded guys talk, it's always like white hood wanker or racist thug or yeah. skinhead girl. I love yeah. that. It just they, makes me laugh so much. And they credit like they credit it like that in the edit credit as well. In the end credits too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was done at the script stage, and they yeah. just like turned it over to the credits and to the subtitles that's brilliant <laughs> yeah uh, that was fun i like that these people don't deserve names <laughs> <laughs> these people deserve to be mowed out by john economist with a uh, p90 <laughs> i think economist might have the highest body count of anybody else on the show <laughs> yeah yeah other than peacemaker <laughs> well yeah peacemaker blows a whole bunch of people up so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, he does the economist, uh, you know, the the support guy does something cool and lethal trope again. And it's, yep. it still it, works. It still <laughs> works. It's a testament to how good James Gunn is making us like these characters that he pulled the same trick three times and we're like, yeah, John! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's also like set it up for subverting the trope where in the end you're like yeah john's gonna come through in a clutch again and he just trip on a fence and break his <laughs> break his leg just brilliant <laughs> <laughs> and also did you thought vigilante was dead in this episode in this episode yeah when he threw that grenade at the white dragon oh. and it deflects back at it I thought he was pretty messed up. I yeah. wasn't sure he was actually dead. I thought there was no way he was going to be like getting up and fighting in the next episode, but I don't think I thought he was dead. <laughs> when he fell asleep driving the car, I thought that's when he died. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. I never got that sense. But that's this is also a homage or like maybe even just keeping to the comics because in the comics, Vigilante has like an unexplained healing factor. Oh really? Like it's not like a superpower. Like they just they just like yeah, he healed really quickly, and then <laughs> we don't know. Like <laughs> like it is almost supernatural, but they just don't really explain it. Um, so maybe okay. that's where it's going. But because that that they, it happens again in the next episode. So yeah, right. it happened multiple times in this series. And but knowing James Gunn, I would tell people to not get too attached to Vigilante in season two. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This just give him plenty of opportunity to do another one or two that they got with Vigilante because he keep healing, maybe even do a couple of knowing jokes about how quick he healed. And then just when you think he's safe, they're going to be a set scene where everybody's like, come on, Vigilante, heal up, get up. And he's just dead. 
I, yeah, I think I, they might even stretch that out a bit where like yeah. peacemakers just like slapping the dead body around being like, you're not dead, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taking comedy characters and making you uh, tear up for them in James Gunn bread and butter. So be ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did have an issue with something that happened in this episode, logic wise. You want to talk about it? <laughs> well, the butterflies kill Mern, which... Yep. Again, story-wise, makes perfect sense. They kind of yep. had to. And then they, they, the, the butterfly inside of Mern comes out, and they grab it, and, and Song Detective Song squeezes it and kills it, and then just throws it on the ground. Yeah. And then leaves so that like whoever comes to clean the room is going to find this weird alien laying on the ground. That seems yeah. like a dumb idea. <laughs> it does, but I also think maybe they have enough people in the government pulling strings that they don't care about things like that. Like maybe they have, they have like a well-while cover engine uh, in process that they don't care because think about it, all these dead bodies with butterflies in them, in, in like homicide uh, crime setting, these people are going to get autopsied. There is some kind of cover up happening. That people yeah, don't know that they have hollowed out brains, you know? Right. There's going to be evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You got a point. Yeah. But, I take my nitpick back. <laughs> but you're right though. Like, yeah. It did make me at the time, like, this is something I came up after the fact uh, to justify, but at the time, I'm like, this is reckless. And also, I guess she's just in a reckless mood at that point because, you know, the existence is at stake. Yeah, they're in a hurry to save the yeah. cow. Yeah. yeah. Because Mern very stupidly announced, go kill yes. the cow. Yes. <laughs> like, which That was dumb. That's my nitpick, which is that why did they, the butterfly cops just leave? Like, he was clearly yelling at somebody and even if they realize it's through an intercom, intercoms have short range. I don't understand why they yeah, don't. Yeah, it was like, a walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't have just left. They were just like around the corner. That frustrated me. <laughs> 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 uh, the emotional scene of Peacemaker finally shooting Augie in the head. What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was perfect. Yeah. Um, I thought it was handled perfectly. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he couldn't do it at first. And but Augie kept taunting him, and then in the middle of the sentence, he just shoots him. Yep. Also, I thought it was really cool and ironic that he shoots him with a German Luger, which I is, was just about to say <laughs> that. Yes, <laughs> nostalgic racist favorite gun. It makes of sense course. that one of those motherfuckers would carry one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he's gonna like reach down and pull one of a gun off of one of the bodies, of course yeah. it's gonna be a Luger, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it original Megatron transform into a Luger? No, yes. Walter, Walter P3K. Oh, was like, it a Walter? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, I was wrong. But still, right. uh, still problematic. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in Australia, uh, the God Megatron never came out because our God uh, replica rules are very strict. Like <laughs> You guys just don't like freedom. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a replica God okay? <laughs> that you were selling to kids. <laughs> I had one growing up. That turned out all right. I've only <laughs> shot like four people. <laughs> you have to have the red, orange tip, red tip in uh, in Australia to have it. Otherwise, you need a license. Nowadays, we have a lot of rules like that. Yeah, yeah. We didn't back in the eighties, but we do now. Yeah. <laughs> Already beat more. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they do what I predicted they would do, which is use the the lamp shading they did about the gaps in White Dragon's armor. Oh, yeah, and Chekhov's yeah. gaps in the armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> instead of this Peacemaker doing that, it's a freaking... Vigilante. Vigilante in the most badass leap. 
since like it's probably his best moment. Eh. <laughs> oh, he has so many good moments. Uh, oh no, I take it back. That that scene in the jail that is his best moment. He fails. It's a failure, but still, him just like dressing down the racists oh, yeah. is beautiful. But well, he failed to kill Augie, but he did fuck up his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's just cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Oh. A lot of things that happen in this show is very cathartic, especially <laughs> if you have, you know, like dirty issues. <laughs> um, he also, Vigilante also get another cool moment in the finale where he gets shot in the back and he's like, oh no, and I like, reverse through a knife. Yeah, without even it. looking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, like I said, this episode is the emotional weight of the show. It's so good. And so all the races getting done down and John finally, uh, I could call him John, it's Chris, uh, John Cena's <laughs> character, Chris uh, Peacemaker, finally coming into the term that he didn't kill his brother, you know, it's his father. And right. that flashback is real fucked up. The fact that his dad even was uh, blaming him like over yeah, the dead body of him. He's oh. a terrible person. <laughs> what do you think about his rent at Peacemaker? I thought that it lacked a little bit of truth. I think. I feel like the kind of character they built it up to be would say more terrible things, but they toned it back a bit because I guess they don't want him to go on a whole racist tirade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if they were trying to be realistic, it would have been a lot worse. But yeah. I think for the show, they didn't want to go that far. <laughs> yeah, the speech perhaps may hit that Peacemaker is by. Oh, yeah, he does say something about men, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, Well, he is clearly a terrible person who's furthest from pro-LGBTQ as you can get, <laughs> and he does call him that F word at the beginning of the That's right, thing. yeah. So he's not to be relied upon. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we did see him have a threesome yeah. with, uh, yeah, with the yeah. vigilante, and I can't remember her name, but I love her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's so funny. Uh, but, yeah... It, it could be true. It could be not. I don't know. Um, Whatever. Yeah. But, um, so the final episode. Okay, the final episode. Uh, let's see. Where do you want to? Do you want to start with the Justice League? That's not with the showstopper. <laughs> okay. The Justice League cameo. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I thought it was great. I loved I it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I yeah. love that they actually got um, Jason Momoa and uh, what's his name back as the Flash. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> and they, they they got jason momoa to say fuck you barry I loved it. <laughs> so good <laughs> i like the flash a lot more in that little interaction than in the whole justice because <laughs> like he does that trolling thing so good he's like it's not a rumor and then he just crack up laughing briefly <laughs> you know they weren't even in the same place that doesn't surprise me yeah, yeah they didn't film each other uh so there's a lot of background information that came out about this scene since then. And plenty of internet backlash. So because the internet is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so it turned out he just shot this scene with Jason Momoa originally. Right. Um, and then Ezra Miller said he wants to be in it and he's open to it. So maybe originally it was a stand-in for Ezra Miller as well. But by that time, Jason Momoa is busy with Aquaman 2. So they actually shot the part with Ezra Miller in the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 lot. Marvel said, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, um, cool. Having come down. So like <laughs> part of that scene was shot on Marvel's money <laughs> at the Guardians of the Galaxy lot. Because 
here's the thing, guys. The rivalry between DC and Marvel in the it's cinema. All fans. It's all fans, okay? <laughs> there might be some, at some level, some producers' ego competition about who make more money. But neither company want the other to fail. Yeah, at the end of the day, they want them both to succeed because they want comic book movies to succeed. Right. Every yeah. single comic book movie failure bring it closer to poisoning the well for our right. <laughs> comic book movies, okay? If everyone keeps succeeding, it's good. Of course, you know, I think DC would like it if they're more successful than Marvel, and Marvel would also like to remain be more successful than DC, <laughs> but they're not at each other's throat. That's all in your head. <laughs> exactly. Yes, very true. <laughs> Did you see that it says came out that they may have also shot Batman and Cyborg standing? this really yeah because they were conspicuously absent yes uh apparently warner brothers told james gunn to toss cyborg and batman so we have confirmation that batman was already shot we don't know if cyborg was uh, actually shot because uh the guy who stood in as batman posted a picture very distinct picture okay uh he got cut out the batman thing could be related to what's going to be happening in flashpoint Right, yeah, that's what that's why I assumed he wasn't there, and I assumed yeah. that Cyborg wasn't there just because too much drama with Ray Fisher. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that's a no way situation. In my opinion, they shouldn't just put a Cyborg in it because Ray Fisher is gonna go off at them on social media either way, like he yeah. is now. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> like, because if they put a stand in for Cyborg, he's just going to say that that's against him and now he's saying that's against him i mean it's inevitable when that kind of relationship breaks down in this kind of magnitude <laughs> ray fisher is just determined to ruin his career isn't he i mean at this point i guess he's just going to be in sex side of movies that's going to be his career yeah, now probably <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, i don't know man why isn't gail gadot in this maybe maybe it's just like scheduling conflict or yeah i don't know maybe Maybe they just never asked her. Maybe they forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I know why Candy Cavill is not in this. <laughs> um, speaking of drama. Yeah. I don't know. I, it would have been good to see the whole Justice League, right? But it would have been, yeah. That ship has sailed when they let Zack Snyder make a Justice League movie. So. <laughs> I don't just know for the I'm record, thinking. I'm not the one who said the words Zack Snyder. You are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that's the drama that's costing on the like, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, uh, James Gunn ruined Justice League. Uh, he made, you know, of course, all he could do is juvenile humor. I'm like, no, this is just two teammates bantering, you know, <laughs> like it's fun. Like, let them have fun. And also, didn't Joker offer to give Batman a reach around in the other oh, right, yeah. sex that in Justice League? <laughs> So what? What's your complaint? Oh, I don't want to complain. It's somebody other than Zack Snyder made something. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take it super seriously. <laughs> oh, did you see that uh, Stephen Amell responded to the 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 Brony talk of Green Arrow <laughs> yeah. by 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 saying something about John Cena's wrestling or something? I don't even remember exactly <laughs> what he said, but it was it was it was the perfect response. <laughs> uh, and uh, Johnny Columbus confirming that, uh, no, I did hear that about <laughs> Green Arrow is super funny. Super funny. <laughs> uh, if they were going to put Batman in it, I, I think it should have been an uh, after credit scene like Batman just run up the hill to the Because <laughs> yeah, he's so late, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for people who ask 
how did Aquaman get there in time with the three other people who can either fly or have super speed? He was already in the area. He was visiting a local aquarium. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume that like the Flash just transports everybody. Yeah. Just goes back and forth really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know. When I watched this scene, I was like, yes, internet's going to love it. And then about five minutes later, and I'm like, no, no, they're not. Because it's the Because <laughs> the internet is... Man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hope the success of this show means that there is more frivolous, stupid cameos like that in season two. Like, can I hope you so, because Im- that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if Henry Cavill returned as Superman? for a TV series by James Gunn <laughs> that Zack Snyder called will fucking foam as the mouth. Even more than they already are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I look forward to it. All right. Now that we got out of that out of the way, let's talk about uh, the rest of episode eight. <laughs> okay. I, I definitely wanted to talk about Economos confessing that he dyed his beard because that is, it. like you were saying earlier, that's just classic James Gunn taking a running joke and making a touching moment out of it, like yeah. really heartfelt character moment where he admits his insecurities and uh, yeah. it's, it was so good. It was, it was yeah. almost, almost tearing up worthy. It was so good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to feel about them reframing Peacemaker's bullying of him as at least he noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you look at it that way, it can be a little <laughs> problematic. Sure. <laughs> But also, if you look at it from Peacemaker's point of view, he feels guilty, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, he definitely feels guilty in that moment. That's yeah, character growth. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was mostly kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, like, being, being absurd about other people's flaw is not really touching. <laughs> 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 and the reply is that humans are really pathetic. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, and economists like, not another kaiju. I can't do this again. Not another kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the one who called the uh, star Starro a uh, kaiju in, the, yeah, in yeah. the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does highlight the fact that if you really think about it, James Gunn told the whole story twice. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like it's the same story uh, about an alien threat that were taking over people's minds and uh, a ragtag. Group of misfits uh, having to prevent it, but a lot of stories can be boiled down to basic elements like that. It is weird that he did it twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's but, it's like it's like those cars getting smashed together, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, once again, it's a testament to his writing that it took until the final episode for us to be like, oh yeah, it kind of is the same story, but you know, it's the journey. It's the journey that really is selling. This show is not about the butterfly. This show is about peacemakers' growth. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, about redemption. Yeah. So about the hallucinations with Augie slash White Dragon. I feel like it's more of a setup for season two, which has been yeah. confirmed, by the way, because um, yeah. they don't really do a lot with it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like when Detective Song was giving him the choice, he should see the hallucinations. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And that could have given you that uh, emotional confrontation you were looking for. Yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. That would be, that would work. Yeah. I don't really like that kind of hallucination plots so much. I didn't like it when it happened in like Arc of Night. Uh, <laughs> but I, I kind of like it. I can, it can work for me if it's done well. 
Yeah, but I'll give James Gunn the benefit of the doubt because, frankly, he's earned it. Um, clearly, this is going to happen more in season two, so let's see where this goes. In this episode, it's fine. It's not uncalled for. It used the right amount at the right moments. Right. Uh, Eagly, super funny in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Eagly taking the helmet. <laughs> 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 just flying off with it and then vigilante has that line that peacemaker is a great human in every single way but if, if he has one weakness it's that he always overestimates eagley's abilities <laughs> um once again that scene with eagley is really just a redone of the scene from guardians of the galaxy 2 with Groot. but hey yeah. some classics are funny for a reason <laughs> um and just the jokes with the helmets as well is also really funny. Like the voice activation of <laughs> the anti gravity uh, helmet. Anti gravity. Uh, also, it wouldn't the helmet just float off even if you're wearing it? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you have a chin strap or anything. Also, like that's like strapping a rocket to your head. It's not. <laughs> It would break your neck. Yeah. yeah. I guess these helmets are just magic. <laughs> For sure. Um, so there is some confusion around the character. Do you think Augie was ever a version of the Peacemaker? Or do you think he made these helmets just for Peacemaker, his son? I feel like there was a line that made me think that he had been the Peacemaker before, but I I don't think that that, that makes sense. I think, it, I think he was just always the White Dragon. I don't yeah. think he was ever Peacemaker. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Uh, okay, so what do you think about the butterflies plan? I think it's really dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. not that you know, I mean, yeah, killing people is wrong and all, and taking over bodies is wrong. But at the yep. same time, all they had to do is just tell the world what they'd been through, like tell them their story. People, some people would have listened, and you know, changes would have been made. Would it? But instead, I mean, maybe. That would, you would have given a better chance than just trying to take them over and control them, because uh, that always works, right? <laughs> I mean, look, what they're doing is wrong. They shouldn't do it. But I think taking over is the better plan if they want to achieve that goal. <laughs> now, I, I think that's, I, I really, at the end of the day, I still think that's just a rationalization. All they were after was the power, the, the power to control, to, to fix what they had done wrong. Um, I don't oh, yeah, think it definitely. was about they, saving they the human race. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. They definitely fascists because this is a fascist move. Like, no matter what the solution is, and right now it's bugging, because of the Olympic, it's really driving me mad. A lot of people who are praising the CCP for their infrastructure projects. I'm like... And there are people they, doing that? They're oh, yeah, 100%. That here. <laughs> oh, 100%, dude, on Twitter. And, like, even on my Facebook timeline, people I personally know... <laughs> I'm doing this. Holy shit. I know. I'm like, this is like, say, fucking Stalin make the trains run on time. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, it, no matter what the end result is, it's fascism that got them there. Like, it's it, <laughs> when you, and when you allow fascism, the other effects of fascism happen. And that is the case here. That's what's happening with the butterflies. You know, you can't give them this power just because you think they're going to use this authoritarian power for good. Like, right. if, yeah, this is just a righteous king legal theory. And we moved past that like 300 fucking years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those lessons we've always got to keep relearning, though. Yeah. Unfortunately. 
But um, I am a bit more skeptical that if they went public, it would have worked because we have scientists who show verifiable proof about this kind of stuff happening and it doesn't work. Why would it work when aliens do it? People are just going to say they lie. You know? <laughs> I think it does work. And I think it does work when scientists do it. I think it just takes a lot longer than you think it does, than you want it yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's also too late. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, yes. <laughs> uh, but they are stupid. <laughs> That's 100% true. Uh, right. Because wasn't Goff in a right-wing politician's head at the beginning of the series? I believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess this show is also implying that they were also doing some false flag stuff, you know? Yeah, again, ma- making that Alex Jones guy kind of right. Yeah, Ugh. which is worrying. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's because this show, it's more about political theory than it's about political parties, right? It's not well, about yeah, for sure. Democrats and Republicans. It's about the horseshoe theory of left-wing and right-wing, which people misapply it all the time, but it is true and extreme. They curve back towards fascisms. Yep. And clearly, Augie and the butterflies are at the opposite end of the horseshoe, right? They both right. fucking terrible fascists just for two different causes. Amen. Yeah. And that's kind of the point that I think the show is kind of trying to make a little bit. But yeah. I think it's more of a it's 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 it is about that. But at the same time, I feel I do feel like this show is more of a personal journey and less of oh, yeah, yeah, a political statement. Yeah, yeah. It could be both. But um, let's put all our political discussion in one area because you have this little, <laughs> you have this little note about the, the line about the proto-fascist libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> that made my brain just go... <clears throat> like, I had to, like, pause it and re- refocus myself because that line is so... Look, proto-fascist libertarian, that's an oxymoron. Those things do not match. <laughs> I would agree that those things do not match Theory-wise, like what libertarianism as a theory and what fascism as a theory uh, doesn't match. I would say a lot of modern Western libertarian movements and the people who follow it are proto-fascist libertarians. (laughs) Because humans do cognitive dissonance. And (laughs) I would say a a lot of the modern libertarians, like they want the government to leave them alone for the things they like, but they also are very pro- government cracking down on things like say black life matter <laughs> uh, i think you're confusing libertarianism with republicans because no, 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 not no, no, the no. same thing no i'm not I'm, libertarians see, have been all about black lives matter they haven't had any problems with some, it. Some, some. and they've uh, always been about you know open borders lack of xenophobia you know that's libertarianism i think, I think you may be giving uh good libertarians too much mental space in your head and maybe you're not exposed to the people who call themselves libertarian i'm only calling them libertarian because they call themselves libertarians <laughs> well i'm not denying that those people exist there's a yeah. lot of them and they are annoying yes yeah i i no matter what they call themselves they're not libertarians yeah but then we're, we're just having those true scotsmen no true scotsmen I, I I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm just saying there is a modern movement that are popular and numerous and call themselves libertarians who are actually proto-fests that is the point adebayo is making right 
Because the way Perhaps. she says it, she also doesn't say it like it's logical. Like she says it like talking about how stupid she thinks <laughs> Augie and Peacemaker's political alignment is. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, like that. I mean, it would make it does make sense from a character point of view. It's yeah. just that phrase, proto-fascist libertarian, made my brain hurt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is just going to lead to me sending you the don't tread on me snake. Uh, oh, Jesus, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to see any gads and flags, please. <laughs> uh, I saw I saw one in the wild last weekend at like a tea festival. Somebody had like an <laughs> army bag and like a don't tread on me patch sewed on very badly. <laughs> yeah, I see that around here, too, in places where it does not belong. Yeah, <laughs> like right next to like a Blue Lives Matter sticker, you know, it's like, no, that's what I'm talking about. No. That's a proto fascist libertarian. <laughs> but that's not a libertarian. That's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and those people are the people who are outspoken about libertarianism right now, because yeah. the true libertarians right now has already gone left because they didn't see what the Republicans and the right wings are becoming. <laughs> You're not wrong. I just don't like it. <laughs> anyway, which actually leads to the central point of the show about what I was mentioning about change, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the show is about change and the choices that allow us to change or not change at our yeah. own peril. You know, yes. um, it's about the freedom to do that. Yeah. That's what the show's about. And like what you were talking about, that phrase being an oxymoron, that completely described the character of Peacemaker. He is an oxymoron. He's a guy who is willing to kill every man, woman, and children for peace, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that is yeah. literally that proto fascist libertarian, which is a stupid oxymoronic phrase that he kind of occupied before. And now at the end of the show, he does it anymore. Yeah. And he, he actively rejects it because, because, uh, Goff, Butterfly Goff, spits that right back in his face right at the yeah. end. Says, we kill as many people as we have to in order to make this work, and make yeah. this happen. Yeah. Um, and he has to choose not to not to go down that road again. Yeah. Yeah. My one question, though, about the theme. I, I agree with the theme and I think it's done really well. But can we really be on board with Peacemaker's change of heart when we don't actually know everything that he did in the past? Like... I can make peace with it if I assume that most of what he says has been <laughs> most of what he says is exaggeration and he hasn't really killed all those women and children like he said he did. But we don't know that we're, we're never really told what he has done. Like all we know is that people have read his file and that's it. That sounds like season two material to me. Okay. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that's good. Because season like two should be about, uh, Peacemaker being like, I'm a change man, you know, and he's also being publicly redeemed uh, because yep. of Adam Ayo's little press conference. And uh, it probably wouldn't be the central plot, but uh, throughout it is going to be him being saying he's a new person and perhaps stuff he, he did in the past coming into light and also coming back to bite him, right? Right, having to make amends. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would be disappointed if there wasn't at least a little bit of a subplot about that because you're right if season two is just peacemaker a good guy then this show has lost its edge because peacemaker right. and his struggle is at the core of this show identity so he need to be haunted by his past and he's going to be literally he yeah, he's really literally of, gonna be haunted by his dad for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's seen the ghost of his nazi father so yeah but i, think I also hope we see more of the 
the things that he's done that he's going to regret and more yes. than just killing Rick Flagg because yes. he cares about Rick Flagg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I care more about Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad than in Suicide Squad or whatever. It's the other way around, whatever. I don't know. I, I like him in the good one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> But but right. I, I just I hope they don't just do that. Just don't have Rick Flagg stand in for all of his previous yeah. victims because yeah. that they could very easily fall into that trap. Even James yeah. Gunn could fall into that trap. And I really don't want them to. Oh, look, I have some faith because and it's also a very easy narrative lead to follow because we don't know why he went to jail. That's a good point. We do have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an easy way to bring it back into the narrative. It's something dark about his past because he did something to go to jail for that long and right and um, that could come back and haunt it um one thing we didn't talk about though is adebayo betraying her mom and doing that little press conference yeah and totally outing task force x um, yeah yeah that surprised me but it, it makes sense for her for her character development to yeah. purge herself of her mother's influence yes but how did she manage to call that press conference? I don't know. Like, because I feel like all the government connections and the string is in Amanda Waller's head. I don't know. Like, I, I think she just moved fast thing. enough. Um, yeah, but why would why would press show up when somebody named Adabayo calls? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a little thing. It's just a tiny dipping. Because when no, the press you, conference yeah. is happening, I'm like, eh, what? <laughs> and you know, a big thing did just happen, but at the same time, it was just a barn blew up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, true. I imagine if they go inside, they'll see the corpse of that cow. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the Justice League helped. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. The Justice League did show up. But that's a post hoc thing, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, I'm surprised that Amanda Waller said Justice League in at all. Because they pinned the whole crime on Peacemaker saying Peacemaker is like a, a delusional schizophrenic who is going around killing people they, because he thinks aliens are taking over the world. But if the Justice League came down and put down the alien invasion that uh, they <laughs> say Peacemaker make is delusional for thinking about, then <laughs> wouldn't it kind of exonerate Peacemaker? <laughs> well, it did seem like the the using peacemaker as a patsy was wasn't going to work it wasn't going to stick anymore yeah. um and i think i think waller knew that and and she knew that the the threat was bigger than she thought it was so and the time was short and yeah. you know her daughter asked her to bring in the justice league so she did yeah if i were the justice league i wouldn't answer i would not pick up call. that call no <laughs> way <laughs> no way in hell <laughs> Is this a trap? This sounds like a trap. <laughs> Batman might just so he can trace the call and go beat her up. Yeah, that's probably why Batman isn't there. <laughs> because Justice is like, hey, we got a mission from Amanda Walla. And he just hangs up. <laughs> uh, and that's also another season two hook. The betrayal of Amanda Walla is going to have consequences. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah, yeah. And they can carry out this theme of having to move out of your parents' bum when you realize that even though you love them, they are terrible people. They could continue that thing with Adebayo and Amanda Waller if they can get Paolo Davis for more than a day of filming like they did in this right, show, yeah. clearly. 
I also want to see how they deal with Harcourt. Um, I, I want her to still not be physically there, right. like not to be a hundred percent and have to learn to give up some control because that's a big part of her character that needs yeah. to be developed. Yeah. I yes. don't know about economist. I don't know what to do with him. Um, uh, no, be it. <laughs> and just shave it off completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hard to grow. Oh, hard to shave. <laughs> or just uh, let it be completely gray, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the montage of physical therapy recovery, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it when a show gives a character a really big injury and then in the endings they recover through <laughs> montage, <laughs> the power of montage. I didn't like it in Civil War. I don't like it now. <laughs> oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Um, yeah. It's almost as bad as Batman getting punched in the back to fix his back. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Dark Knight Rises. Because <laughs> I have a lot of problems with it. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for another day, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he said. <laughs> uh, so we started to talk a little bit <laughs> about season two. I'm uh, sorry, I just read your note that says somebody must have worked really hard to CG scrub the reflections of Peacemaker's helmet. I didn't even think about that. You're right. They have to remove the camera from it all the time, I imagine. Like when I was rewatching these last three episodes just today, and while I was rewatching, I kept staring at his helmet, looking for the camera, and it was never there. <laughs> I was really impressed that, that, that they had gone scene by scene, frame by frame, and scrubbed out all the cameras. I thought that was that's a, some good attention to detail, man. It is, <laughs> and um, there is enough after credit scenes to know that they are like green uh, green helmet, like. Yeah, those are real just, shiny yeah, helmets. They're real shiny silver helmets. <laughs> Except when they're, you know, floating through the air. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah. same on the street, I imagine. Possibly. Okay, <laughs> when they're when they're human torpedo, that's yeah. obviously CG. <laughs> I like the idea of how some of the helmets are just stupid. The scavy <laughs> helmet and the human torpedo helmet. Um, I, don't know, I was a little disappointed they brought the scabby helmet back because I thought it was good as just like an after credits joke and then they yeah. like reuse that joke but at the end of the day it's still funny <laughs> well I'm disappointed that they brought it back but and they didn't, didn't use, use it. it to give yeah. all the butterflies scabies <laughs> because aliens don't probably know what scabby is it would have really freaked them out <laughs> <laughs> Also, there was enough helmets in the finale scenes for everybody. So I thought like, oh, everybody get a helmet, right? That's what this is right. going. <laughs> I was uh, a little annoyed that like the sneak preview for this episode, like in the last episode, was was actually showing out of bio with the helmet on. I wish they hadn't shown that in the, in the teaser uh, yeah. for the, in the last episode. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, she put on the helmet before for the X-ray. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> And we couldn't work it out because we didn't know about the human torpedo helmet until the, the last episode anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we talked a little bit about season two already, but what do you want from season two? Well, I think as long as the characters continue to grow and change, um, they can do whatever they want, you know? And, and we know that James Gunn is writing and directing every single episode, which is yeah. even more control than he had in season one. Yeah. Um, so I hope he goes wild. I yeah. just does whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> Go yeah. for it. Oh, and like, I hope Warner Brothers is just like, you do what you want, man. Like, clearly, yeah. clearly you got the ball rolling. And it's been so long since there's nothing but positive word about DC properties. They must be like 
James Gunn. <laughs> just here's a truckload of money and you know, <laughs> use whoever you want. I hope that's what's happening. Uh, okay, so who do you want brought in for the um I'm not a big DC guy, so I don't know all the like B listers from DC. So it's kind of hard. Uh there was already a rumor by Giant Freaking Robot that Bane is going to be season two, where James Gunn publicly shot down. he's like nobody knows and only i knows and even i haven't decided (laughs) (laughs) it's still in the conception stage yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i don't know like i kind of want him to stay away from batman villains like bane because that's kind of silly yeah uh it's just more weird d-list dc celebs you know like dc superheroes like vigilante was a perfect choice and so was judo master i mean these are like nobodies in the dc universe i want hype yeah kite man coming back would be great that would be awesome um his first real success was not a success at all um well it clearly isn't because kite man isn't dead oh yeah that's right because of the the headline yeah Yeah, yeah, as far as peacemaker is concerned like his successes are putting killed the criminals right (laughs) (laughs) it would be funny because like he would see kite man as his like total nemesis and he would probably not be (laughs) not really a threat (laughs) Um, so that could work that could work really well actually i like it um uh, i want weird stuff like i mean knowing james Gunn, like he, he, it's he a safe bet. The weird yeah. stuff yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know like more gorilla villains like uh, it would be pretty funny if they have to fight like three different gorilla villains in the sequel and people are like why is there so many gorilla villains <laughs> just pull uh, all the gorillas from the dc canon because there's so many <laughs> Okay, I have a I have a small triad and a, a small pitch. Okay, so okay, go for it. Uh, one of the main reasons that I feel such a bias towards James Gunn's work is when the first Suicide Squad movie dropped, and we all watched it, and we're all like, "What the fuck?" That was a train wreck. <laughs> I had a conversation with one of my friends in which we're like. Okay, how would we do Suicide Squad? Like, like, why is this so terrible? Like, you know, the kind of conversation you and me oh, yeah, have all always the time. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, my pitch was Suicide Squad always have to be like a black ops team, right? Like, that's right. the real fucked up thing about the first Suicide Squad. It made no sense for Amanda Waller to pick a boomerang guy, a guy who is good at tiny <laughs> dots, and a crazy lady with a bas- uh, baseball bat to take down such a big threat. <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like even the line, like we gather these people, like what are you, what are we going to do if Superman uh, decide to rip off the roof of the White House? What are these kind of people going to do? Yeah, what are, are these guys going to do? Right, they're going to last fifteen <laughs> seconds. So my idea is always being like, oh, you you need to make them a black ops team that is doing the American military's dirty work, and core to all good Suicide Squad story is always crazy escalations, right? Like it goes right. wrong and it escalates, and it's always more than they bargained for. And then you bring in the supernatural comic booky stuff, right? In a way that you're like, oh, okay, all right, this mission to take down a foreign government has gone wrong. And that's exactly what James Gunn did with uh, the it's reboot. The Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, when I watch it, I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> granted, when I'm pitching it, I was like, okay, they're going to make it a Middle Eastern country. 
But uh, Jane Gunn may <laughs> had enough sense to be like, no, 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 we'll go Don't Latin. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll go, we'll go Iron Contra kind of thing instead, <laughs> of, <laughs> instead of the modern stuff in Iraq. <laughs> and that idea is the same for the team, the Eleven Street Kid in Peacemaker, right? The kind of stuff that they should take care of if they feel the team. If Walla is out, like who's in charge of them, yada, 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 right? Right. But if they steal the team, the same thing applies to them, right? And that's what happened in this season as well. They were on a routine. It seemed like a simple mission. Yeah, simple assassination mission. And then it just keeps escalating. So I'm going to pitch for season two what my idea for the threat in what I thought would be a good version of Suicide Squad. Superman. Okay, how? (laughs) So here's the thing, right? My original idea was they would go on this mission. I didn't even think of Starro because who would? James Gunn is a crazy <laughs> mastermind. But um, they're on a mission to retrieve a high-priority object, Object K. Okay. <laughs> right? um, and Suicide Squad shenanigans happen. Part of it is they just keep realizing, like, they keep crossing paths with some heroes, some big-name heroes and some big-name villains that they're having to fight or avoid. And then they set up clearly like Chekhov's gunning of Superman a couple of times. And then big reveal turns out the object they after is black kryptonite. Right. <laughs> and Superman shows up for some shenanigans and then have the black kryptonite used on him. And then we get evil Superman, right? And that was supposed to be like the pitch. Like it's played for jokes of Superman yeah. just slaughtering the, the many <laughs> members of Suicide Squad. Like, Imagine if Rogue One had the balls to have Darth Vader kill the actual main characters of that movie. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> right. And I always want Suicide Squad to be like Darth Vader. So the joke is well, going yeah. to be, in the end, they managed to subdue Superman with some shenanigans, right? It has to be really contrived, right? And right. they managed really to silly. cure him. And he has memory loss of what he did when he was on Black <laughs> Kryptonite. And... Um, so Superman still think he managed to overcome and subdue things heroically, and the rest <laughs> of the Suicide Squad members get killed to maintain the pretense that Superman never killed anybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's my dark humor pitch. I you can adapt it to this, right? If they could get Henry Cavill to come back, if they are on missions to hunt down objects that are like kryptonite, different kryptonites, not just black, right? Like bring in the weird kryptonite variants from, right. from the golden age. Because there's so many. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And then just have it affect uh, Superman in funny ways in different episodes. And then the, <laughs> finally, they can have the black kryptonite show down. That's my dream season two pitch. That would never happen. But if can you imagine? That can would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe just do it for James Gunn Suicide Squad sequel if he's making one. But it would be pretty funny if that Peacemaker <laughs> and Eleven Street get overwhelmed by an evil Superman. Or, like, I don't know if current political climate would allow that stupid pink kryptonite thing to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I wanted to do what we got with that Justice League team. Like, scrape upon the big part of the um, DC Cinematic Universe. And then inject humor in the way without really like bringing down the serious part of the universe. Like by doing right. the kind of thing, like Superman is still Superman, right? Like 
you can you can also have that humorous autonomy between like it's Superman killing people, a Superman <laughs> not killing people, that kind of thing as well. You know, fair. Yeah, I mean, and, and while Superman would be the perfect choice, you could do any of the superheroes in DC, really. Yeah. Well, who's the who's the most person you're most likely to get in TV? Like really, like Henry Cavill does a lot more TV than any of the other people. That's you know? true. He's got yeah. a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. And Henry Cavill keeps saying he would come back. Like even in reference for to this cameo, he got recently asked, and he said, "Yeah, I would come back for the right thing. Maybe yeah. Jake Gunn is this right thing? Could be. <laughs> <laughs> but to be told, like even if they get Henry Cavill back, they wouldn't tie him in." Uh, to a, a story like that, that intricately, you know, he would just be a cat. Yeah. I just wanted they to would, pitch my stupid idea. I like your stupid idea, but that's not what we're going to get at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the idea that they, they're chasing down an actual like superhero who has, is turning evil in some way and don't even realize that that's what they're doing until near the end. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, maybe like Pizarro, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, sure, that could work. Like put them put them up against somebody really strong. That it's that the idea of this team going after it is just comical. Like right. I want that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what James Gunn like, really, because like Starro. He, <laughs> he did say that Starro disturbed him as a child when he was reading the comics. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a starfish, man. He said there was something about it that just really disturbed him. <laughs> I mean, he did a good job at replicating what disturbed him because his version of Starro disturbed me, but Comic Starro is just up, a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything else you would want? Do you want it to tie in more to the DCEU? Because remember, we'll get season two after Flashpoint, so we have no idea what kind of, <laughs> what kind of state the universe will be in. I wouldn't mind if it were, but I don't think that that's, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. If, if they could get these, these big name actors back for a little bit more of an extended time, like I would very much love a scene where the Justice League have to work with Peacemaker and Peacemaker <laughs> is just being awful to them the whole time to say <laughs> awful dumb shit that he read on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's an yeah, escalation that... of that joke, right? Saying it to their face. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. <laughs> it might be even be fun if, like, that's how the season begins and ends. Like, have, like, it bookended with him having to work with the Justice League. Like, yeah. he's on some other mission with the Justice League in the beginning, and they just can't work with him anymore. And then in the <laughs> end, they have to work together for some reason. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think, really, what we're starving for is any indication that the DCEU is a functional cinematic <laughs> universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they keep doing hits and stuff, like Superman uh, from Head Down in Shazam and all that. Shazam, but right, yeah. All this uh, cinematic universe stuff is just lip service, you know, like Aquaman doesn't even act like the same character in his movie as he does in the Justice League movie. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's weird that a show about Peacemaker is the one that does that continuity the best. <laughs> well, it's James Gunn. He's got practice. True. <laughs> True. So I think uh, the thing we can both agree on is we're looking forward to season two, which is definitely happening. Yeah, this show is way better than I expected it to be. And um, I can't wait to see more. Yeah, we are getting that other Suicide Squad spin-off before this, so before season right. two, I imagine. DC is keeping James Gunn very busy. Yeah. So it's 
So is Warner Brothers. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. So is Disney. So is Marvel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I look forward to a future entertainment by our new overlord, James Gunn. I have to <laughs> latch on to somebody now that Joss Whedon turned out to be a fucking lunatic. <laughs> Well, here's hoping James Gunn doesn't get burned out like he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did just post a gif of like somebody who's like really tiredly dancing and falling over. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So next week, I'm excited. I'm really excited for next week. Yeah. We're going to try something new. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try a different topic. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to try to list some fantasy franchises that we think deserve a big budget streaming show. Yes. You put it a lot more inflammatorily in the, in the original pitch, but this is what we settled on. Okay. When I originally pitched this, I did say franchises that deserve a big budget streaming show more than The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> a sentiment I agree with, but perhaps not the energy we should start this. <laughs> so we're both going to bring. A couple. I think I'll bring two, and I don't know. You know, either bring. I've two got or like three. two or three. Yeah. So yeah, that we think should get not a movie. We're picking ones that work better as a long form narrative rather than as a movie. Right. And we're picking stuff that are fantasy, just so we can limit it to a thing. We'll revisit that topic later with sci-fi and stuff if people like it. And we're picking stuff that require gigantic budgets like Lord of the Rings. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not going to be like a book about magic realism that you could do on a shoestring budget, right? It's going right, yeah. we're talking epic <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of CGI, a lot of money. That's next week's topic. And it'll be our first episode where we tackle a topic other than a show. So we would really like people's feedback on it. We think there's a lot of meat in it. So Tune in next week and let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. And as always, I've been Lynn. You can find me on Twitter at Flaming Eyebrows. I have been Eric. You can find me on YouTube at The Unapologetic Geek. Go find him on Twitter as well at E. <laughs> I really encourage people to bother Eric on Twitter, <laughs> just like I do. I He regret adding me on Twitter. I can feel it because I'm always arguing with people on Twitter and it shows up on his timeline. Every once oh. in a while, he like one. <laughs> <laughs> I am bringing I am like a terrible cat that are bringing the carcasses of the internet to <laughs> Eric's doorstep be like look at it. look at it no don't throw it away look at it <laughs> so um, help me do that he's like a friend who's telling me that it's really fun to try huffing gasoline yeah <laughs> alright okay um, until next time Please don't bother Eric on Twitter. Bye. Yeah, life is but a stream. <laughs> 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 <laughs>